0: Support for an honest account comes from Open Money, who are making financial advice affordable and accessible to everyone. Open Money offer personalized financial advice online by asking you a few questions and telling you about the next steps for your money. That could be working down debt, saving a cash buffer, or investing. Then they give you the tools and advice to help you move forward with your finances through their app and online portal. If investing is the right move for you, they'll give you investment advice and the option to speak to a qualified financial advisor. You can begin with as little as £1. Their low annual fees means you can keep more of your money. You can download the app today or head to open-money.co.uk for more details. And please remember that with all investing, the value can go down as well as up. And thanks to Open Money. Welcome to An Honest Account, a podcast about how money affects our lives, our work, health, relationships, and more. So, do you dream of quitting your job and travelling the world? Because research shows that millennials place a higher priority on going travelling than saving for a house or paying off debt, and they make it much more of a priority than any other generation. I'm Rachel Revis, and today I'm talking to Anna Fedorova, a fellow finance journalist who has spent the past two years travelling around Europe in a van. I'm endlessly in awe of the fact that Anna quit her high profile job as a news editor to forge a new freelance life on the road. And I wanted to know, how did she get work? How does she feel about not climbing the career ladder in a traditional way? How did she find a bathroom on the road? And how much cheaper is it to travel than being in London? I had so many questions and she patiently endured them. So I hope you enjoy. Anna, thank you so much for joining me. So can you tell us just where you are at the moment and how long you've been there?
1: Thanks for having me on, Rachel. So um, I'm currently in Greece, living in a van to paint the picture properly. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been here since October, but we've actually been traveling in the van for about two years now. And how long did you think you
0: would be away originally?
1: Our sort of biggest hope was that we would manage a year and um, the original idea was that we'd go to Asia for about three months, Southeast Asia, which we did. And then we were going to come back to the UK, sort out the van and then head off to Europe for the remainder of the time. And we were kind of really hoping that the money would last a year, but it was basically going to be as long as the money lasts.
0: Mm. It's so funny because we we started off a kind of very similar, in some respects, we're in work-wise, we're still doing similar work, but <clears throat> we yeah. started off and kind of... Um, trade magazines in the financial world and I had just been working in New York and I moved back to London and met you for a coffee Yeah, yeah. and you were just about to head off. (laughs) And I was really hoping
1: I'd be able to make some sort of money freelancing but really nervous about it.
0: And it's funny because when I met you then I was just going freelance as well so I guess we've been freelance for roughly the same time. Yeah yeah. But the difference for me I think was I made this well, we've obviously both made a decision, but I came back, um, decided to be freelance, and didn't have that much of an option, to be honest, because um, mm. the job wasn't wasn't waiting for me. But you had quite a senior job, as you know, was a news editor.
1: I did, yeah, I was news editor for a few years for Investment Week, maybe two. I'm not actually sure now. Two or three years. So um, I I got quite used to sort of having quite a senior position.
0: Yeah. So so therefore the leap must have been pretty massive to leave that job, which and arguably you were quite young to do that job as well, weren't you? Relative to I
1: was. I was under thirty when I got promoted to that job, and it was kind of it was certainly a bit of luck. That's that's kind of how it works. And. Journalism really isn't it, but um, yeah, a lot of people left, and I was in a position where I was basically the most senior person in the team, so I got the promotion, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it was definitely harder to walk away from, but also I think the fact that I was more senior and I was earning a bit more money definitely helped to um, sort of solidify the plans because um, it meant that I could save more obviously mm-hmm. uh, which in London is is a pretty big deal mm. and also I think just the fact that I was senior enough to be comfortable with the idea that I might actually be able to get freelance work once I leave mm-hmm. was helpful as well for me because it made me stress a bit less about you know just being out of the industry for even a year and then coming back and not being able to find a job or whatever which is obviously a big fear that um anyone would have in that situation yeah
0: um, we'll come back to the career stuff I think in a sec but yeah so tell me first paint the picture outside your window (laughs) just make me really jealous and then tell me um (laughs) how yeah how you made the leap like how long it took you to prepare and what you needed to do Mm -hmm. financially for that to happen
1: um the preparation process for me I guess it was quite It was quite a long one because I'd really wanted to go away traveling pretty much as soon as I finished uni, but things just didn't kind of work out. Um, At first, I was thinking of doing that with my boyfriend at the time, and then we broke up and I kind of wasn't comfortable with doing that alone. And um, the money side of things was difficult as well because I didn't have that much saved up. I think I had maybe like five grand or something. And I thought, you know, that's not really enough to, to make a really sort of proper big travel plan. And um, I guess the other thing that was in the back of my mind was that I'd just left university and I didn't really have any work experience and going away was scary because I didn't really know what I would be coming back to. So I essentially gave up on that plan for the whole time that I was living in London, which was about seven years. So I guess it was kind of seven years in the making, but the, the real planning for this trip that we're on still now... Um, that took maybe a year and a bit of proper sort of financial saving up and, um, you know, saying no to things and um, seriously putting that plan together. So, yeah, at
0: least a year. And how? what did that discipline look like? You said saying no to things, but did you have targets? Did you know how you're, much you were going to save and how you were going to do it?
1: Yeah, we had a target. So um, we wanted to be away. way... Um, So we being me and my partner, who I'm still traveling with, um, and we wanted to be away for, as I said, for at least a year. And um, we wanted to buy a van and we wanted to convert the van ourselves. And um, our most sort of optimistic estimates of how much that would cost was at least five grand for the van. Um, And we wanted to save at least 20,000 overall Mm -hmm. to cover all the expenses. Um, But we didn't really... We didn't really think, okay, this is our target, this is how much we need to save every month. We were just trying to save as much as we could. Um I'm I'm pretty lucky because um I had some help from the bank of Mum and Dad. So I have a flat in London still. And living in that flat obviously meant that my living um or my um, rent expenses were a lot um lower because I was just covering a mortgage. So that was kind of the starting point. Um For us, it was really helpful to have that living situation sorted. And it meant that my partner could move in with me and he could save all the money that he would have been putting into a flat. So we just pretended that we were living the same way that we used to, but all that money was going into an ISA. And then um, we tried to save at least £200 a month each. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, anything else that was coming in that wasn't being spent. And I mean, we did try to avoid... A lot of the usual vices of London so like going out for food going out for drinks so we'd have to sometimes say no to people if they wanted to go you know to a big party or something Um, which actually right now doesn't seem like a very big sacrifice but living in London it felt like you were sacrificing a lot because it's around you all the time and you kind of you want to go and try that new Mexican place or that new Thai place or whatever um so I guess that was the biggest thing for us but honestly looking back at it now the way that we live now I think we could have done a lot more of it and really
0: been pretty comfortable yeah in terms of just being financially savvy or kind of being happier with less or in what sense
1: um I think a bit of both I think there were things that we didn't really think about and worry about that much for example things like Spotify that we both would pay £10 a month for Spotify. Mm. And we were like, oh, well, you know, this is something that we use and we love music, so we're just going to put that money in there. And we didn't really sit down and think we could talk to some friends to create a Spotify family where we could actually sp- spend a lot less money and think it works out as like 250 a month per person. So that would be already um, whatever it is, £100 a year saving or something. Um, so little things like that, but also... Like going away on the trip, we decided to go vegetarian, which was um a big change for us, but it actually wasn't as hard as I thought it would have been, and that means that we save a lot of money because we're not buying any meat, almost any fish we do have fish sometimes. um and that's something that we could have done when we were living in London already, but we just we we wanted our lives to be comfortable, I guess, and we were used to the way that we were living, so we didn't make that change at the time.
0: I dread to think how many people are on my boyfriend's Netflix account. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only savvy tip I've probably picked up. Yeah. Um, Okay, so take me... Also, you forgot to describe your window. I wanted to see what's happening. I did, yeah. I started talking about that (laughs)
1: outside my window. Well, the funny thing is we're parked outside a big fruit and veg market right now because that was the thing that we had to do this morning. (laughs) So... um. It's maybe not as exciting as, as it would be, but it's pretty nice. It's very Greek. There's some people shouting and, you know, there's a very jovial atmosphere. But um, this morning we were parked um, near a beach, which is where we park pretty much every morning. So that was pretty nice, waking up to um, the sound of the waves and being able to open the doors and see see the beach. But it's funny, there's, um, there's a thing about van life um, that... You know, you see all these pictures on um, Instagram and I follow a lot of van life accounts because obviously I'm interested in it. And you see all these beautiful pictures of people lying in bed and looking over the beach or the mountains, but you don't necessarily see the surroundings. So the other day, a friend pointed out to us that we were parked right by the bins, (laughs) which are full of like all these leftovers and sometimes smell of fish and there's like cats roaming in there, but our doors were open onto the beach so we could see the beach. (laughs) It was like the perfect van life picture. (laughs) It's like one side looks picture perfect, but actually there's also that not necessarily nasty, but you know, kind of just like the life side of things where you're not always
0: surrounded by beauty. And actually there's, there's all this other stuff going on. So talking so, of van reality, can you tell me about what happened pretty soon after you set off on the road?
1: Yeah, so basically we we did our trip to Asia without the van, which was nice. And then we came back, I'll tell you the longish story, we came back to the UK um, in February 2018, I think. And it was just in time for the Beast from the East, which was <laughs> really... Um, a bit of a shock after being in like 35 degree heat for three months and we had quite a few problems with the van trying to get it finished off because we needed to do the electrics and we didn't really know what we were doing and eventually we did manage to set off later than we hoped and we drove for a day and we broke down basically Um, and we broke down in France and neither of us speak any French and we kind of limped to this garage and they told us that we had to, um, replace the gearbox and the clutch, which was going to cost us about 4,000 euros, Mm. which was a real shock because by that point that was maybe a third of our savings that we had left. And I had a little bit of freelance work, but it was, it was super stressful. And we thought that we'd have to cut our trip short and, um, it just wasn't a nice way to start, but we ended up paying that money and we did end up getting out, out of the situation in the end. And, um, It didn't really put as big a financial dent in our plans as we'd hoped, but it did mean that I had to start worrying about work and finding work earlier than I'd hoped because I kind of hoped that I would be able to just not think about it for
0: that whole year that we were away from. And was that the biggest kind of stressful, more stressful thing that's happened so far?
1: I think that was the biggest one.
0: I think that was the biggest
1: one. I mean, every year because we're obviously a British vehicle abroad, we have to come back for an MOT. And that is an expensive adventure because getting back from Europe to the UK with um all the costs involved is probably about £500. And then when we go for an MOT, there's always something. So that ends up being another 500 to to £1,000. Being in England is more expensive than being in the UK, um, than being in Europe rather. So there's always that kind of stress hanging over us. But it's nothing else has been quite as bad as that
0: when you come back every year do you is there anything that you're really glad I mean obviously your friends and you know family etc but yeah is there anything you think wow I really miss this whether it's like (laughs) hipster coffee on your your corner street or whatever it is because um I am starting to wonder sometimes I think you get to a certain age in London and you you either make a decision to stay or you start to get sick of it
1: Yeah, 100%. I want you
0: to, to, well, maybe you can't sell it to me, but you can
1: (laughs) tell me if you miss anything. So the thing that we miss the most is just the variety of things on offer, whether it be food, like Vietnamese restaurants. We loved Vietnamese restaurants. um, We loved Asian food in general. And it's actually really difficult to get Asian food ingredients even in Europe, Mm. especially in like a tiny little town in Greece that we're in. So we do really miss that because even if we feel like cooking Asian food, we basically have to buy most of the stuff in the UK and kind of hold on to it for however many months we're away for. Um, Or you can buy like really expensive Asian stuff here. So there's like a little shop that sells tofu, but it's like nearly six euros for a small carton. So we basically don't buy it. So Mm. um, it's the variety of restaurants and the variety of things that you can do. I mean, there's like shows that you can go for and there's galleries and... um, museums that are free in London which is amazing and um just a lot more entertainment Mm. but I think for us what we gain being away is sort of worth giving that up for for the majority of the year
0: yeah so what do you gain like lay it out very simply
1: (laughs) (laughs) so for us the big thing so um basically my partner and I are a bit fanatical about rock climbing so the reason that we left one of the reasons that we left was because we both wanted to take time out and just go to all these rock climbing destinations and Europe's really big for it, which was why we chose to spend most of the time in Europe. And um, we wanted to just experience this life on the road where you don't have that many commitments and you can just go and kind of enjoy the rock climbing and, you know, doing good weather and beautiful surroundings, et cetera, et cetera. So for us, that's the biggest thing. We've, um, we really enjoyed in the first year having that, opportunity and um on the sort of sports level of it it meant that we could really improve our skills which um is obviously really nice if you're into something Mm. the way that we are into rock climbing so Mm. um for us that's the biggest the biggest thing um the fact that we have that freedom
0: does your boyfriend work or are you relying on your income
1: so at the moment, he is not working. He hasn't been working for the past two years. Um, so right now we are basically relying on just my income. Mm-hmm. But he is planning on setting up a rock climbing instructing business. Mm, okay, cool. Which would hopefully allow him to work on the road the way that I work on the road, but in a more practical sense. So he would be taking groups of people out, rock climbing probably from the UK,
0: to whatever destinations that we're in. That's really um, interesting, and also that I guess you've been the breadwinner for what two years? Mm, yeah. So what <laughs> what is that pressure like? Because I'm freelance, my partner's in a steady job, and some some of my security being freelance, and you know we split everything. But I know that yep. if it went tits up for a month, it wouldn't be a disaster. So what is that pressure like? There is
1: definitely pressure. So I guess the worst of the pressure was when you know the big financial hit happened with the the breakdown. And I thought the only way that we can carry on doing this is if I start earning money because otherwise we're going to run out pretty quickly and we're going to have to go back to London, which neither of us wanted to do. Um, So at that stage, it was worrying because I had um, sort of a small financial gig, which actually I'm I'm pretty sure we both did at the same time, didn't we? Um, Writing for um, this ETF company. And then, as you know, they they didn't really want news coverage anymore. So um, that meant that I had to look for other stuff. And that was literally the only thing that I had going at the time. And I didn't have any experience doing freelance work. So that was stressful because I knew that I was the only one who could easily make things work financially for us. Otherwise, we'd probably just have to... I mean, there was there was always the option of maybe going and working in a bar somewhere or something like that. But that's that's always... A bit more stressful and it kind of kills the freedom aspect of things a lot more so that at the beginning that was that was definitely a worry but I think as as my work started kicking off and things started coming in I realized that actually it was it really wasn't that difficult to get enough work to cover our expenses because our expenses
0: are so low living the way that we live so what are your monthly expenses I know you broke it down in the blog but if you wouldn't mind to tell me a little bit is it a lot cheaper than London it's massively
1: cheaper than London. So I think our average monthly expense is maybe about £900 for the two of us for the month. Um, And that's including sort of phone bills and buying climbing equipment, which is pretty expensive and does tend to kind of need replenishing throughout the the year that we're out. Um, And whatever else it is, just because, we don't have to pay rent, so we're just living in this van. And the only thing that we have to pay for the van—I mean, obviously, if it breaks down, that's that's always um, mm-hmm. a worry. But if everything's fine, the only thing that we have to pay for really is diesel, which um, is really dependent on, on how much we travel. So if we don't, if we don't feel like spending a lot of money one month, we can just stay in one place and drive. You know, so where we're staying here, for example, we drive from the town to the beach, and that's like a ten-minute drive. And we drive to the climbing places, which at most is half an hour. So you basically live an entire month on one tank, which is less than a hundred pounds. Mm.
0: I know you um, mentioned on the blog you weren't; it wasn't ideal that you were in a diesel van. Um, I guess with growing eco concerns, yeah. How do you feel about
1: that? It's something that worries me because. Obviously, every time we drive, we're contributing to um, the climate emergency, which um, is not something that sits well with me. And I would love to have an electric vehicle, but at this stage, there's no way
0: I could afford one. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't take you very far, I don't think.
1: It wouldn't take us very far, probably. Yeah, not at this stage. Um, So I guess we just try and minimize the amount that we drive as much as possible. And... um, I do try and comfort myself with the fact that we've been flying a lot less now than I used to when I lived in London, because you'd always be going out on city breaks and trying to get away from the bad weather and actually not really thinking about how how much that's contributing to um, the emergency that we're all now facing. So um, being away the way that we are now has meant that I basically take maybe two flights a year. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm sure that makes which, a massive difference,
1: which is a lot less. So hopefully, I mean, I know that 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 doesn't cancel out whatever um, carbon footprint we are creating, but I feel like it is still lower than it used to
0: be when I lived at home in London. yeah <laughs> and you mentioned earlier about not wanting to do this alone and that got my attention because mm-hmm. I do often think about that like what I can do alone and not even in London. I mean, you know it, within reason, but I'm not necessarily going to feel comfortable walking through a forest <laughs> by myself. Um, yeah, which for is sure. a, Which is a real shame because I never used to feel like that when I was younger. But um, can you talk to me a little bit about how you felt traveling safety-wise with your partner, if you, can Im- if you could imagine doing it by yourself? Because a lot of women do travel by themselves. They
1: do. And I admire women that do that. In fact... I know a few women that have traveled around India by themselves. And for me, that's like a big no-no. That's so scary. But um, I think traveling around Europe by yourself is actually not that bad. But I'm the kind of person who needs to have someone else there with me um, because it makes me feel safer. And um, I also like sharing the experience with someone. Like I, it's, it's difficult because when you travel by yourself, you have to be very different to the way you might be. Naturally, as a person, you have to go out of your way to go and talk to people, even if you're not really feeling like it. Um, and we know a lot of people who travel by themselves in this sort of climbing community that we have here, and um, they have to be outgoing all the time. They have to go and you know make new friends. They have to go to all the parties. And I'm not really like that. Like I like being sociable, but I'm also a bit reclusive, and I think it would be stressful for me to to always try and be out there. But I think more than that, I do actually find it difficult to travel extensively alone. Like I'm okay being in a city for a few days alone, but I've never really done long term travel by myself. Um, it's one of those things I'd maybe would have liked to do, but I just never had the courage. And I think I needed to have someone there to share it with me to have that courage. I think the last point um would be to say that the way that we're traveling now. I wouldn't have been able to do it by myself because basically my partner built the whole van. Like I, I know nothing about building a van. Mm. And I was trying to be helpful, but I think I was mostly just present rather than actually doing very much here. Mm. Like I helped with the design, but I didn't, I didn't really know how any of the instruments that we used worked. I didn't know how to build a bed. I didn't know even what materials to consider for. Um, any of the stuff that's in this van so if I had
0: to travel it would have been very very different have you come across any potentially hairy situations or has it all been fine
1: we haven't really no
0: that's good we
1: found it yeah we found it pretty easy for the first month or so we were super careful like we felt like we had to lock the doors whenever we went to sleep and um, just worrying a lot about security. And before we left, we installed, um, extra security in the van to make it harder for it to be broken into and, um, driven away. So Mm. living in London, I guess you really worry about these things, but we've been lucky in that we haven't really encountered any problems. And now we sleep with the doors open when it's hot and we
0: just, we don't even give it a second thought. Mm. Do you have insurance? We do have insurance, yeah. Um, and do you have any relationship tips for because you're spending so much time together in like potentially a small space, especially when you're driving? I mean, it feels like I'm in a van sometimes in my flat. Cause it's so small, but um, <laughs> I am interested. How do you come up again? I, I mean, every relationship is different, but do you have to kind of? Did you have to get used to that?
1: So I think for us, the big thing was moving into the flat in London together, which was obviously being in London. It was small, and um, we knew pretty much straight away that we could live together pretty easily because we never really rubbed each other up the wrong way. Um, But we were obviously not spending, not even close to enough time together because we were working completely different jobs. And, you know, sometimes I'd be out in the evening. But we did spend a lot of time together because we were both into the rock climbing and we were doing it a few times a week. So there'd be days where... Um, we would meet up straight after work and spend the whole evening together and I feel like we maybe shunned our friends a little bit because we were trying to save up and had this goal that, <laughs> in our minds so um we were used to spending quite a bit of time together but of course going into van life on the road was a big change yeah um I think we're lucky in that we we kind of clicked in a way where we both we both really understand quite well when, one of us just needs time to sit there and read the book. And usually, like, usually it's both of us who kind of just don't really want to interact necessarily. So we're just, we just sit there and read a book. And it, it never really feels weird having another person there. I think it can be a bit difficult when, you know, one of us wants to have a conversation with friends or family or whatever. And the other one, you know, wants to do their thing. Or even like right now, I'm doing a podcast recording and it means that, Um, my partner can't, you know, make any loud noises in the van or anything. So we kind of have to learn to compromise too um, with stuff like that. Um, And if one of us wants to go to one place and the other person doesn't want to go, then we also have to compromise because our home basically comes with us. So we can't just say, you know, you know, you stay at home and I'm going to head over there. You have to make plans with other people if you want to go somewhere and your partner doesn't or Whatever. That's so,
0: hilarious if you go to a party and then one of you just decides to just sit in the van and the other one goes into yeah. the party.
1: Yeah. I mean you could, but <laughs> it's a bit weird, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well so, um, tell him I said thanks if he's sitting there quietly. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> he's doing
1: his best. I think he's reading a book. That's one thing
0: that we've done a lot
1: more more of than we did at any point during our lives in London, just reading everything we can get our hands on because um we do have electricity in the van but it's nothing like electricity in the home it runs out a lot more quickly our batteries are not mega strong so um we don't want to be charging up all our devices all the time so we do watch things sometimes but we spend a lot more time reading than we used to back home back home we just you know come home watch netflix and now it's it's a lot more sort of quiet
0: reading time (laughs) rather than Netflix time. When you talk about traveling, this seems to me like more of a lifestyle change, a long-term thing. And you wrote in that blog that you don't see any reason to come back to the grind.
1: No, I don't. I don't anymore. So for me, it really was, you know, a year long thing originally. So I really thought that I would, you know, not tick the box. I thought that, it, you know, I'd have the time of my life, but then I would go back to normality. Um, I really didn't imagine at any point while I was preparing for this, that it would go on as long as it has, and that it could really turn into a lifestyle thing rather than just a a relatively short term thing that I did with my life. And, um, that really came about a few months into our travels when I realized that a, a year actually was not long enough for for me because it took me it took me a few months to get into the groove of being away and not having my friends there and having a very different lifestyle and being able to do all these things that I love, but still somehow feeling uncomfortable because I wasn't I wasn't in the reality that I knew, I guess. And um I was suddenly confronted with all these other people that were doing the same thing and I guess I felt like maybe there was some form of competition as well in terms of the sport that I involved myself in because I realized that I actually was nowhere near as good as I'd made myself feel like I was in my mind and all these people were like amazing and I wanted to get better, but I felt like I didn't have enough time. And um, all of that kind of made me think, no, I want to make it last longer. And um, Mm. then once the work started coming in, I thought, you know what, there is no reason really to go back because – I'm still working. I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing more now because I can be more picky about what I do and I can be more picky about my hours. And my life is costing a lot less than it would do if I went back to London. So mm. there's no reason
0: reason really for me to be doing that. Yeah, that sounds very, very logical. I mean, for me, it's like a bit of a juxtaposition because on the one hand, we're told self care and meditate and take yourself away and like mm-hmm. have some you time and get out of London, but then on oh, the other half of me thinks I feel like I want to put down not put down roots because I still have feel like I have a very transient life here, but yeah, as everyone does probably feel in London, but you kind of feel like you want to build you know you want to know your neighbors like I didn't care about that in my twenties, but now I think I want to know my neighbors I want to do yeah go like, to things that are local I want to feel like. You know, if I want something changed in my community, I can try and get involved and and, and make, do some activism or whatever it is. So how do you battle those two things or do you not feel that like I'm describing?
1: I think I definitely do feel that. And I think that's why we're basically staying in one place for, I think it's going to be six months by the time we head back to the UK for a bit again. Um, So we arrived here in October and we don't plan to leave until april and we kind of had this idea of maybe going somewhere else for a bit but essentially we're now staying in this one little town in greece and we're not going anywhere else and it feels it feels a bit like home we've been here before this was like where we started our trip the first time that we um set off around europe and um we really loved it and there is quite a big community here because it's it's basically this little rock climbing town so there's like um cooperative that has a little cafe and bar where everyone can meet and they do um a lot of this so you basically when you when you rock climb outside you have to develop the rocks so um they do a lot of that and they put together the guidebook that tells you where all the rock climbing places are and how to get there um and they've sort of got a community of people that work diligently on that um every year and they always come back to the same place every year. So they're always the same people and they're here for as long as the climbing season lasts, which basically is as long as it doesn't get too hot. Mm -hmm. Um so you feel like you're kind of surrounded by people that you know and you start getting to know the people in the town and they're all really friendly and, you know, they give away all this food and all their smiles and they'll offer you a shower because living in a van obviously means you you don't necessarily have all the immunities that you would have at home and you kind of start pe- feeling like you're part of it you start recognizing them or maybe learning a few words in Greek and you kind of feel like you basically live in this little town maybe not the whole time but it's somewhere that I would come back to again and again and it would always feel a little bit like home mm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think that's our way of getting around the fact that if you travel you do feel a bit disconnected
0: yeah yeah, I'd, I'd never even thought to ask you that. How do you go to the loo and have a shower? <laughs>
1: so um, we're quite lucky here because by the beach that we stay, well, we basically stay stay by this beach. Um, they have a toilet and shower block, which is pretty nice because um, it's free. <laughs> so um, that's the the loo sorted. Um, the showers are a little bit more complicated because there is a shower there, but it only really heats up when it's pretty sunny because it works on solar panels. So when the weather's nice, that's what we do. But during the cold spell that we had end of December, January, we basically just had to be inventive. So it's kind of between friends that we know out here who are here for a shorter period of time. So they have Airbnbs and we just go and have a shower at theirs and other friends who are staying here for longer who are staying in flats, um, and also kind of just the kindness of strangers, or rather not strangers, but the, the people in the town that we get to know, who will often offer you to come to their place and basically have a shower, which is uh, which is really sweet.
0: That's um, really interesting. I wonder how well they need to get to know you before they offer you a shower. <laughs>
1: just you know what? I feel like it's not it's not even that well. The Greeks are really really friendly, but um, that's great. it's only some of them, but. It's enough to to
0: get by. <laughs> enough to break it's, the ice with them, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. Coming over and having a shower at someone's place is definitely is definitely a way to make friends,
0: but it's not for everyone. No. It must make you savor it when you do get a shower.
1: Yes, I mean, I I never thought a shower could be as amazing as it is.
0: <laughs> but I
1: do I do feel like we have learned so much about how little you actually need to survive and be relatively comfortable I mean the amount of water that we use on a daily basis is laughable compared to what most of our governments consider the norm for human beings I remember um, was it last year or a couple of years ago there was um, a big story in South Africa where they basically ran out of water I think in um, Cape Town and um, they had to ration their citizens I think they started off with 50 litres a day per person and then it was 25 litres a day per person. Mm-hmm. And in our van, we ha- we carry 100 litres and that lasts us a
0: week. Oh, wow. That puts it in context. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Well, in that way, you're doing something to offset your carbon as well, massively. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. They say that London's going to run out of water in 25 years, so maybe it's a good idea that you won't, <laughs> you're
1: not going back. Yeah, we'll at least know how to make it last. <laughs>
0: And next up, I speak to Haley Millhouse, head of advisor services at Open Money, who will give us some practical tips if you also want to do a big trip.
2: If you are considering a career break or a lifestyle change, then preparation and research is key uh, in order to make the trip as successful and as stress-free as possible. It's really important not just to think about all the exciting things that you're considering doing on your forthcoming trip, but also what is your plan B just in case that things don't work out the way that you intend. So what's important is have you decided on your budget? You know, will you have to work while you're travelling? And also, um, have you got some cash set aside as an emergency fund just for those moments that we don't anticipate? So some key things about your plan B, you know, have you spoken with your employer have you left on good terms and do you have the opportunity to come back uh, if you so wished another great opportunity is if that if you have a property you know can you rent that out while you're traveling in order to provide you with some additional income so for me the thing that i would recommend is always good to have your options open
0: thank you for listening to an honest account please rate review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and it also helps other people to find us we're on twitter at honest underscore account underscore and instagram or you can email us at contact at an and we'll be back next week